What is up, David? I'll get started here in just a second. Let me throw out a few tweets and a few rooms through uh, DMs. Hopefully DMs are working again and we'll get started here in just a moment. What's up, Nathan? I see you here. Uh, we will get started in just a moment, Getting trying to get Christine in here, and then we will begin chapter eight here in just a little bit. Good afternoon, late. I don't know if it's evening yet or not where you are, Christine. Are you uh, finishing up a, a tattoo or are you, are you with us from the beginning tonight? I'm with you guys from the beginning. Yes, yes, yes. Do you have your book with you? I do not, but I have the PDF in okay. front of me. Okay, that'll work. This one's going to be a good one. And it also starts out for uh, uh, the others that are in here right now. It's Ages and uh, Nathan. Uh, it starts out with a good summary of almost everything we've done. So I think that'll be really good just for like a primer of everything that we've done so far. I'll say this to the two of you, or actually it looks like we've got a few more coming in here. If you're just now in here, I ask that you do share the room out. Uh, let all your followers know exactly what you're listening to. And tonight, what you're listening to will be chapter eight of Trading in the Zone. Now, if you're un unfamiliar with Trading in the Zone, it is a book all about the mental aspect of trading. You've probably learned enough about technical analysis and learned about whatever system is working for you. And for whatever reason, let's say it's just not working for you yet. It's not working well, and it's because of the mental game of it. And that's what uh, trading in the zone tries to tackle is you have a big enemy with trading, and a lot of times it is you. It's the man in the mirror. So uh, that's what uh, we've learned through chapters one through seven. And it's been really good for my own trading Christine said the same thing uh, previously, that it's been really good for her own trading. But tonight, it's chapter eight, which is called Working With Your Beliefs, because I think we have a lot of pre-conceptions uh, you know, about uh, what our beliefs are, and we bring those into the trading terminal. So we want to be able to be able to tackle those. And maybe best of all, chapter eight is going to give a little bit of a summary of what we've read so far in chapters one through seven. So Looking forward to that. Uh, Christine, were you able to do any trading today? or uh, And if you if you did, did you have any of these principles that we've learned in mind here? So I was able to trade today. And um, I did, I believe, three or four trades. And they were luckily all over 20%. And that's not even exactly what, you know, I'm going for. And you, we've had this conversation where I'm like, I'm fine with, you know, 10%, sure. whatever. And uh, no, but it was really good today. So the market gods blessed me with a few trades over 20% uh, trading spies. So I'm super excited about that. And I was unemotional as much as possible. I felt like my hands sweaty. And <laughs> like, as I was seeing it like run up, but I was like, nope, come on. Like, let's just get out. Don't look back. I did look back, though, and I'm trying to get better at that. But if I did hold on to it, it would have went way over 100%. But I'm trying not to do that anymore. But as we know, and we've learned this from the book, 
is whenever your trades go in the direction you think they're going to go, right? You you bet correctly, then uh, your mentality should be the same whether you win or you lose. It should be just you you know you you met the conditions with your system that you have. You placed the trades, and whatever happened happened, and you go forward and you try. And I say try because I know this is difficult for all of us. You try to have the same mindset um, of just you know opportunity flow. The opportunity came in, you took the trade. It was going to work or it didn't um, because you have faith that it's going to work more times than it doesn't. And when it doesn't, hopefully that doesn't uh, make you stray from your, your rules. And whenever it does, hopefully it doesn't make you, you know, like next time 10x what you're putting, uh, you know, completely blow out your account because you're overconfident. Okay, so let me address that really quick before we start the book. And hello, Felice, I see you uh, down there. So I... um. I'm on a cash account, so it kind of just times you out after a few trades. And I was like, you know, thanks for looking out for me because I probably would just keep going till I hit a red trade. And I was like, I'm doing so good. Like, I could just keep going today. And that's not true. Like, I should stop while I'm ahead. So it stopped me and almost was like, hey, walk away. You've eaten enough in the kitchen. Like, what are <laughs> that kid? But yeah, did you trade? Uh, I did not today, but I want to, I think I know what a uh, little, uh, well, I did, I didn't trade any options today. Let me say that. Um, I've been trading crypto and Forex quite a bit and using a lot of the principles that we've talked about, but is the little alert that you get the, uh, settled funds error where basically it's saying, Hey, you have to let the funds settle from your previous, uh, your, your previous winnings before you can put any more bets. Is that what was coming up? Yeah, it was like you have they're like your funds need to settle. And I was like, no. Yep, and I yep. tried it like two times and it just wouldn't. I was like, okay, take this as, you know, a good sign. Like I'm finishing ahead. I'm green. There was not one bad trade today. Like, stop. Like, why are you? It's really crazy. Like human psychology. It's just you want more and more and it's not enough. And <laughs> right. really, I could have just I would have been fine just trading like, you know, my first trade was like over 20% and that was great. And I could have been fine with that. And I kept going till like my account told me that I can't. Right, right, right. Uh, and I've, I've ran into that. You and I even talked about that earlier today with NFTs, how uh, we were saying we had some friends that, you know, had uh, one NFT that they got very cheap, like at a mint price. And next thing you know, it had about, you know, I don't know if it more than 10 X. And uh, then all of a sudden it was, well, maybe it could go even higher. And we're all guilty of that, of just never being satisfied, regardless of the market that it's in. All right. So let me put out a few. What'd you say? I'm going to be tweeting the uh, PDF for trading in the zone up on Jumbo. Yes. Yeah, do that. And uh, yeah, you can read along okay. with me in case I this is your. I got cut off. You got it? Okay. Sorry, I wasn't sure if I cut you off or not. Um, all right, so in case this is your first time in here, let me do a little housekeeping of what this is. So every Monday and Wednesday night, um, and hey, if you don't mind, Christine, send something out to uh, Mary Beth. She wanted to come in here, and uh, she said she was going to put it on her calendar. And if she can't make it, she can't. But um, if she wants to be in here, I want to make sure she does. But every Monday and Wednesday night, Christine and I get together, and we read a book. We started this late December, and uh, we're keeping this going now. And uh, this is our second book, and we're doing Trading in the Zone, about the mental game of trading. And it's been really good. We're still looking for the third book, so if you've got a great idea or a great suggestion for the book, then uh, please DM one of us with uh, what suggestion you think might be the best. Uh, here's what we do. 
I will read chapter 8 and maybe chapter 9 tonight. We'll discuss after I get through with chapter 8 if I should keep on going or not. And afterwards, uh, Christine will kind of lead some discussion. If you hear something that I talk about after as I read this from this book, and you think, oh, let's discuss because this happened to me this week or I've had this you know, previous experience, we want to hear from you. Christine and I will obviously talk about our own experiences and kind of have a discussion of our own, but people might be getting tired of hearing us speak at that point. And uh, so we invite all of you to come up here and give your own experiences. If for some reason you're not the speaking type, uh, you can always go in the lower right-hand corner of your phone and uh, you can actually put in, uh, put, put in your own question or comment in there. As a reminder, this is a live reading. And what's a live reading? Well, it's not an audiobook. I'll do everything I can do to make it an audiobook and make it sound like an audiobook. But because it's a live reading, you might hear me stumble over some words. You might hear me completely butcher a name. You might hear me mispronounce something. You might hear me say the same line over, uh, two times over because I should have been reading with my finger. Uh, all of that can happen because it's a live reading. So be prepared for anything um, so far during this book. We have seen my microphone go out. We have seen, uh, I don't know if we talked about this when it happened, but my Google Home inside my house went off one time because it thought I said something, uh, thought I'd said, hey, Google, which now it's probably about to go off since I just said that. So uh, it's a live reading and anything can happen whenever live readings happen. So be prepared for just anything. Uh, hopefully my mic doesn't go off um, <laughs> on mute like it did last time. But we're going to start with chapter eight. And uh, I may be reading for quite a bit, because if we do chapter 8 and 9, it's quite lengthy, but chapter 8 is rather short. But the best thing about chapter 8 is it gives a good summary of chapters 1 through 7. So if it's your first time in here, listen to chapters 1 through 7, uh, or excuse me, listen to this summary, and that'll help you get caught up. And then also, uh, share the room. Get your, get your peeps in here, and uh, they will be better for it if they are in any way in trading, trading crypto, stocks, Forex, NFTs, you name it. If they're buying something low and selling it high, this is good information for them. All right. Anything else, Christine, you have to add to that And uh, before I get this party started? Nope. But I did tweet out the room if you guys could help out with that. And then I put the PDF up on the top if you want to read along. We are starting Chapter 8. So I always like reading along as he narrates it. So go ahead and do that. I will do that. All right. Chapter 8 is titled Working With Your Beliefs. Let's get started. Now, the task before you is to properly integrate the five fundamental truths presented in Chapter 7 into your mental environment at a functional level. To help you do that, we will take an in-depth look at beliefs, their nature, properties, and characteristics. However, before we do that, I will review and organize the major concepts presented thus far into a much clearer and more practical framework. What you learn from this and the next two chapters will form the foundation for understanding everything you need to do to achieve your goals as a trader. Defining the problem. At the most fundamental level, the market is simply a series of up and down ticks that form patterns. Technical analysis defines these patterns as edges. Any particular pattern defined as an edge is simply an indication that there is a higher probability that the market will move in one direction over the other. However, there's a major mental paradox here because the pattern implies consistency, or at least a consistent outcome. But the reality is, each pattern is a unique occurrence. They may look or measure exactly the same from one occurrence to the next, 
but the similarities are only on the surface. The underlying force behind each pattern is traders, and the traders who contribute to the formation of one pattern are always different from the traders who contribute to the next. So the outcome of each pattern is random relative to one another. Our minds have an inherent design characteristic, the association mechanism, that can make this paradox difficult to deal with. Now, these edges, or the patterns they represent, flow by in every time frame, making the market a never-ending stream of opportunities to get in, get out, scratch a trade, take profits, cut losses, or to add or detract from a position. In other words, from the market's perspective, each moment presents each of us traders with the opportunity to do something on our own behalf. What prevents us from perceiving each now moment as an opportunity to do something for ourselves or to act appropriately even when we do? Our fears. What is the source of our fears? We know it's not the market because from the market's perspective, the up and down ticks and the patterns they create are neither positively or negatively charged. As a result, the up and down ticks themselves have no capacity to cause us to enter into any particular state of mind, negative or positive, to lose our objectivity, to make errors, or to take us out of the opportunity flow. If it's not the market that causes us to experience a negatively charged state of mind, then what does cause it? The way we define and interpret the information we perceive. If that's the case, then what determines what we perceive and how we define and interpret this information? What we believe, what we assume to be true. Our beliefs working in conjunction with the association and pain avoidance mechanisms act as a force on our five senses, causing us to perceive, define, and interpret market information in a way that is consistent with what we expect. What we expect is synonymous with what we believe or assume to be true. Expectations are beliefs projected into some future moment. Each moment from the market's perspective is unique. But if the information being generated by the market is in similar in quality, properties, or characteristic to something that is already in our minds, the two sets of information, outside and inside, automatically become linked. When this connection is made, it triggers a state of mind, uh, confidence, euphoria, fear, terror, disappointment, regret, betrayal, and this all corresponds to whatever belief, assumption, or memory the outside information was linked to. This makes it seem as if what is outside is exactly the same as whatever is already inside of us. It's our state of mind that makes the truth or whatever we're perceiving outside of us in the market seem indisputable and beyond question. Our state of mind is always the absolute truth. If I feel confident, then I am confident. And if I feel afraid, then I am afraid. We can't dispute the quality of energy flowing through our mind and body at any given moment. And because I know, as an indisputable fact, how I feel, you could say that I know the truth of what I'm perceiving outside of me in the same moment. The problem is, is that we feel, how we feel is always the absolute truth. But the beliefs that trigger our state of mind or feeling may or may not be true relative to the possibilities that exist in the market at any given moment. Recall the example of the boy and the dog. The boy knew, for an absolute fact, that each dog he encountered after the first was threatening because of the way he felt when he came into his field of awareness. 
These other dogs did not cause his fear. His negatively charged memory working in conjunction with the association of his pain avoidance mechanism caused that fear. He experienced his own version of the truth, which did not correspond with the possibilities that existed from the environment's perspective. His belief about the nature of dogs was limited relative to the possible characteristics and traits expressed by dogs. Yet the state of mind he experienced every time he encountered a dog caused him belief to believe that he knew exactly what to expect from them. This same process causes us to believe what we know, exactly what to expect from the market, when the reality is there are always unknown forces operating at every moment. The trouble is, the instant we think we know what to expect, we simultaneously stop taking all the unknown forces and the various possibilities created by those forces into consideration. The unknown forces are other traders waiting to enter or exit trades based on their beliefs about the future. In other words, we really can't know exactly what to expect from the market until we can read the minds of all the traders who have the potential to act as a force upon price movement, not a very likely possibility. As traders, we can't afford to indulge ourselves in any form of, I know what to expect from the market. We can know exactly what an edge looks, sounds, or feels like, and we can know exactly how much we need to risk to find out if that edge is going to work. We can know that we have a specific plan as how we're going to take profits if a trade works. But that's it. If we think we know what starts expanding into what the market is going to do, well, then we're in trouble. And all that's required to put us into a negatively charged, I know what to expect from the market state of mind is for any belief, memory, or attitude to cause us to interpret the up and down ticks or any market information as anything but an opportunity to do something on our own behalf. Defining the terms. What are the objectives? Ultimately, of course, making money is everyone's objective. But if trading were only a matter of making money, reading this book wouldn't even be necessary. Putting on a win winning trade or even a series of winning trade requires absolutely no skill. On the other hand, creating consistent results and being able to keep what we've created, that does require skill. Making money consistently is a byproduct of acquiring and mastering certain mental skills. The degree to which you understand this is the same degree which we will stop focusing on the money and focus instead on how you can use your trading as a tool to master these skills. What are the skills? Consistency is the result of a carefree, objective state of mind where we are making ourselves available to perceive and act upon whatever the market is offering us from its perspective in any given now moment. What is a carefree state of mind? Carefree means confident, but not euphoric. When you're in a carefree state of mind, you won't feel any fear, hesitation, or compulsion to do anything because you have effectively eliminated the potential to define and interpret market information as threatening. To remove the sense of threat, you have to accept the risk completely. When you have accepted the risk, you will be at peace with any outcome. To be at peace with any outcome, you must reconcile anything that your mental environment that conflicts with the five fundamental truths about the market. What's more, 
you also have to integrate these truths into your mental systems as core beliefs. What is objectivity? Objectivity is a state of mind where you have conscious access to everything you have learned about the nature of market movement. In other words, nothing is being blocked or altered by your pain avoidance mechanisms. What does it mean to make yourself available? Making yourself available means trading from the perspective that you have nothing to prove. You aren't trying to win or to avoid losing. You aren't trying to get your money back or to take revenge on the market. In other words, you come to the market with no agenda other than to let it unfold in any way that it chooses and to be in the best state of mind to recognize and take advantage of the opportunities if it makes it available to you. What is the now moment? Trading in the now moment means that, means that there is no potential to associate an opportunity to get into, get out of, add to, or detract from a trade with past experience that already exists in your mental environment. How the fundamental truths relate to skill. The first fundamental truth, anything can happen. Why? Because there is always unknown forces operating in every market at every moment. It takes only one trader somewhere in the world to negate the positive outcome of your edge. That's all. Only one. Regardless of how much time, effort, or money you've invested into your analysis, from the market's perspective, there are no exceptions to this truth. Any exceptions that may exist in your mind will be a source of conflict and potentially cause you to perceive market information as threatening. How the fundamental truths relate to skills number two. You don't need to know what is going to happen next in order to make money. Why? Because there is a random distribution between wins and losses for any given set of variables that define an edge, which we can see in number three. In other words, based on the past performance of your edge, you may know that out of the next 20 trades, 12 will be winners and eight will be losers. What you don't know is the sequence of wins or loses or losses, or how much money in the market is going to be made available on the winning trades. The truth makes trading a probability or a numbers game. When you really believe that trading is simply a probability game, concepts like right or wrong or win and lose no longer have the same significance. As a result, your expectations will be in harmony with the possibilities. Keep in mind that nothing has more potential to cause emotional discord than our unfulfilled expectations. Emotional pain is the universal response when the outside world expresses itself in a way that doesn't reflect what we expect or believe to be true. As a result, any market information that does not confirm our expectations is automatically defined and interpreted as threatening. That interpretation causes us to adopt a negatively charged, defensive state of mind where we end up creating the very experience that we're trying to avoid. Market information is only threatening if you're expecting the market to do something for you. Otherwise, you don't expect the market to make you right. You have no reason to be afraid of being wrong. And if you don't expect the market to make you a winner, you have no reason to be afraid of losing. If you don't expect the market to keep going in your direction indefinitely, there is no reason to leave money on the table. Finally, if you don't expect to be able to take advantage of every opportunity just because you perceived it and it presented itself, you have no reason to be afraid of missing out. On the other hand, 
if you believe that all you need to know are these four things. One, the odds are in your favor before you put on a trade. Two, how much is going to cost to find out if the trade is going to work? Three, you don't need to know what's going to happen next to make money on the trade. And four, anything can happen. Then how can you get the market? How can the market make you wrong? What information could the market generate about itself that would cause your pain avoidance mechanisms to kick in so that you exclude information from your awareness? None that I can think of. If you believe that anything can happen and that you don't need to know what is going to happen next to make money, then you will always be right. Your expectations will always be in harmony with the conditions as they exist from the market's perspective, effectively neutralizing your potential to experience emotional pain. By the same token, how can a losing trade or even a series of losers have the typical negative effect if you really believe that trading is a probability or even a numbers game? If your edge puts the odds in your favor, then every loss puts you that much closer to a win. When you really believe this, your response to a losing trade will no longer take on a negative emotional quality. How the fundamental truths relate to the skills number three. There is a random distribution between wins and losses for any given set of variables that define an edge. If every loss puts you that much closer to a win, you will be looking forward to the next occurrence of your edge, ready, to, ready and waiting to jump in without the slightest reservation or hesitation. On the other hand, if you still believe that trading is about analysis or being right, then after a loss, you will anticipate the occurrence of your next edge with trepidation, wondering if it's going to work. This, in turn, will cause you to start gathering evidence for or against the trade. You will gather evidence for the trade if your fear of missing out is greater than your fear of losing, and you will gather information against the trade if your fear of losing is greater than your fear of missing out. In either case, you will not be in the most conducive state of mind to produce consistent results. How the fundamental truths relate to skills, excuse me, how the fundamental truths relate to the skills number four. An edge is nothing more than an indication of a higher probability of one thing happening over another. Creating consistency requires that you completely accept that trading isn't about hoping, wondering, or gathering evidence in one way or another to determine if the next trade is going to work. The only evidence you need to gather is whether the variables you use to define an edge are present at any given moment. When you use the other information outside the parameters of your edge to decide whether you will take the trade, you are adding random variables to your trading regime. Adding random variables makes it extremely difficult, if not impossible, to determine what works and what doesn't. If, you've never certain, if you're never certain about the viability of your edge, you won't feel too confident about it. To whatever degree you lack confidence, you will experience fear. The irony is, you will be afraid of random, inconsistent results without realizing that your random, inconsistent approach is creating exactly what you're afraid of. On the other hand, if you believe that an edge is simply a higher probability of one thing happening over another, and there's a random distribution between wins and losses for any given set of variables that define an edge, why would you gather other evidence for or against a trade? To a trader operating out of these two beliefs, gathering other evidence wouldn't make sense. Or let me put it this way, gathering other evidence makes about as much sense as trying to determine whether the next flip of a coin will be heads 
after the last 10 flips came up tails. Regardless of what evidence you find to support heads coming up, there's still a 50% chance that the next flip will come up tails. By the same token, regardless of how much evidence you gather to support acting or not acting on a trade, it still only takes one trader somewhere in the world to negate the validity of any, if not all, of your evidence. The point is, why bother? If the market is offering you a legitimate edge, determine the risk and take the trade. How the fundamental truths relate to the skills number five. Every moment in the market is unique. Take a moment and think about the concept of uniqueness. Unique means not like anything else that exists or has ever existed. As much as we may understand the concept of uniqueness, our minds don't deal with it very well on a practical level. As we have already discussed, our minds are hardwired to automatically associate, without conscious awareness, anything in the exterior environment that is similar to anything that is already inside of us in the form of a memory, belief, or attitude. This creates an inherent contradiction between the way we naturally think about the world and the way the world actually exists. No two moments in the external environment will ever exactly duplicate themselves. To do so, every atom or every molecule would have to be at the exact same position they were in some previous moment. Not a very likely possibility. Yet, based on the way our minds are designed to process information, we will experience the now moment in the environment as being exactly the same as some previous moment it exists inside our minds. If each moment is like no other, then there's nothing at the level of your rational experience that can tell you for sure that you know what will happen next. So I'll say it again. Why bother trying to know? When you try to know, you're in essence trying to be right. I'm not implying here that you can't predict what the market will do next and be right because you most certainly can. It's in the trying that you run into all the problems. If you believe that you correctly predicted the market once, you will naturally try to do it again. And as a result, your mind will automatically start scanning the market for the same pattern, circumstance, or situation that existed the last time you, uh, you correctly predicted its movement. When you find it, your state of mind will make it seem as if everything is exactly as it was last time. The problem is, from the market's perspective, it's not the same. And as a result, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. What separates the best traders from all the rest is that they have trained their minds to believe in the uniqueness of each moment. Although this training usually takes the form of losing several fortunes before they really believe in the concept of uniqueness, this belief acts as a counteracting force, neutralizing the automatic association mechanism. When you truly believe that each moment is unique, then by definition, there isn't anything in your mind for the association mechanism to link that moment to. This belief acts on an internal force, causing you to dissociate from the now moment in the market from any previous moment filed away in your mental environment. The stronger your belief in the uniqueness of each moment, the lower your potential to associate. The lower your potential to associate, the more you open your mind will be to perceive what the market is offering you from its perspective. Moving towards the zone. When you completely accept the psychological realities of the market, you will correspondingly accept the risks of trading. When you accept the risks of trading, 
you eliminate the potential to define market information in painful ways. When you stop defining and interpreting market information in painful ways, there is nothing for your mind to avoid, nothing to protect against. When there's nothing to protect against, you will have access to all you know about the nature of market movement. Nothing will get blocked, which means you will perceive all the possibilities you have learned about objectively. And since your mind is open to true exchange of energy, you will quite naturally start discovering other possibilities or edges that you formerly couldn't perceive. For your mind to be open to a true exchange of energy, you can't be in a state of knowing or believing that you already know what's going to happen next. When you're at peace with not knowing what's going to happen next, you can interact with the market from a perspective where you'll be making yourself available to let the market tell you, from its perspective, what is likely to happen next. At that point, you will be in the best state of mind to spontaneously enter the zone where you are tapped into the now moment opportunity flow. And that is chapter eight. Uh, if you've made it this far, congratulations. Christine, I want to. I have an observation, and we can decide whether we're going to do chapter nine um, together here. And first of all, anybody can come up to discuss chapter eight real quick, whether we do chapter nine or not. But I have an observation. Um, you notice we have much fewer here than whenever we first began this, you know, this book. And what it, I think it's kind of analogous to the work people are willing to put into their, their mental framework, right? Because, and, and I really mean this, because I think a lot of people will spend hours watching YouTube videos, watching whatever to learn the technical side of it, to learn what different indicators mean and things like that. But there's not a lot of people that are willing to put in the same energy into figuring out the mental game of trading. And I think we kind of see that um, in, in, you know, what I'll call dwindling numbers. I think we have a group here that wants to make sure they understand that. But, you know, there's a reason why, you know, whatever stat it is, 95% of traders or whatever the stat is will, will, will fail. Um, and I think we kind of see that in interest in people learning the mental game of it. I don't know. Am I wrong there? Am I just, am I just salty because uh, there's people in you're here? spot on. I think you're spot on. And I was, um, it actually references something that I was watching earlier where they were talking about, like, um, you know, if you were to say, like, oh, you wanted to become, like, I don't know, great at ice skating. And then they're like, OK, well, you know what you need to do to be like a professional ice skater. And they're like, but am I going to go do it now? No. And they're like, and why wouldn't I, even though I want it? It's because you don't want it like, like bad enough. And it's the same thing. And I know that today's numbers kind of like reflect on like um, Twitter being weird today. But you're right, though, the numbers have been dwindling and it's our like ADD to like everything. And then you're right, like people spend hours like watching YouTube videos. And a lot of the sadly, a lot of those videos are like unrealistic as well. And then they make you sign up for some, you know, discord or something and then they pay you or you know you pay them to like send you alerts but you're not necessarily learning how to trade on your own and the psychology of trading and um you know the numbers dwindle like you're saying like we put in we're all gung-ho in the beginning that's why there's three month probation periods a lot of times for when you get hired on because they know you're excited and that excitement just goes away because now you're bored and then you look for the next shiny thing I like that analogy about whenever you first start a job. You're right. They do have that three-month you know, uh, probationary period before you get all the full benefits and everything. And you're right because at first you're like, you know, 
hell yeah, I'm going to make some burgers. Uh, it's going to be amazing. And uh, I guess I'm at a fast food restaurant in this scenario. And then, you know, after a while, it, it turns out you're just making burgers and you're not as excited about it as you once were. And that's probably why they have that probationary period to not give you the full benefits until they know you're committed. No, it's absolutely. You know, we own a couple of businesses and we've seen that over and over. Like people come in super duper excited and they're like, this is my dream and whatever the story is. And you're like, yeah, cool. At first you're like excited with them. And then after you've gone through like 10 of the same type <laughs> of like personality in the beginning you see this pattern where it does fall off after like a few months where they're like oh it's like the same old thing and then it just becomes a job and then they don't care about it anymore and you know can you spot or they can can you spot the type of employee before you even hire them now you know it's weird i almost i don't think i can but i feel like i've created this uh this profile in my mind the more excited they are it's more unrealistic like so to me i'm like oh here they are like they're on top of the mountain right now and they're like jumping up and down and they're telling us this is their dream and the more excited they are i feel like those are the ones <laughs> that fall off the fastest yeah yeah really really interesting i've never i'm i'm gonna use that analogy someday that that's really interesting uh also I thought it was cool that chapter eight was basically a summary of what we've learned. I mean, that was, that was like, if, if anybody in here, this is the first time you've been listening to this book, that was a pretty good summary. I mean, it, it obviously glossed over some of the things that we took to, took a full chapter to discuss in like, you know, a couple of paragraphs, but I really appreciated that because I, I tend to forget things and just having it just summarized in one chapter that that was really helpful. I felt like. Yeah, and I loved how, and it was a great summary. So if you haven't um, even started with us or you've never read the book, this was a great chapter to listen to or read um, to kind of catch up. And it was, I really liked it. The other thing that was added on there was that um, part where out of 20 trades, you know, we will know that 12 will probably go well and the rest wouldn't you just don't know which ones will and which ones won't and i think that was a great um sentence and statement because of the fact that that's true and i'm over here still caught up in the if i have a bad trade day and i told you on monday i like put i ground myself and i'm like you're not allowed to trade now you're just going to watch and you're gonna like have fomo and because you don't no, like whatever you did, you just messed up bad on that last trade and you're only as good as your last trade. And I'm so uh, judgmental on myself and I criticize myself times a million. And I really believe that. Like I tell myself, I'm like, you're only as good as whatever the last thing you did if it's your job. And I shouldn't be like that. And that statement was eye-opening because it's true. The, the, the 12 and 8 was a great uh, number to choose because, uh, you know, let's say the first eight trades that you did were complete losers, right? Hit your stop loss and you, 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 you stayed within your parameters. You didn't like move your stops or anything, but you, you know, the first eight were losers. And then all of a sudden you don't even believe in yourself or, or your, your system or anything like that. Unbeknownst to you that the next 12 trades were going to be winners. And in the end, out of those 20 trades, you were up, you know, you, you, you were up more than you were down. Uh, conversely, you can have your first 12 trades <laughs> be uh, winners. And you're thinking like, I am a god of trading and nothing could ever stop me. 
I'm going to up my position size because if I'm making this much, I might as well, you know, make double the amount. And next thing you know, you have your next eight traders as trades as losers. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I'm just like you. I really liked that whole sentence. It was put very, very well. And I, I appreciated them doing that. Okay. Yeah, I loved it. Mary Beth, I see her up here. I don't know if you caught uh, the beginning of it, but I have the PDF up there, guys, if you yeah, want to read along. I caught, um, I came in just short of 30 minutes into it um, when you started uh, reading, um, you know, those four bullet points. What I've been, so what I gathered from the last time until today, you, Christine, used the analogy of, you know, becoming an ice skater, which is really interesting because I was comparing this to, um, hey, if you're an athlete, right? So it's like, if you really want to perform, you don't just show up on the basketball court and just play. I mean, you can if you want to, right? But then, you know, I just remember like learning in elementary school when I played basketball for the first time, right? Like you have practices focused on dribbling and then you have practices focused on passing and then some with shooting and, you know, drills and things like that. And then kind of like jobs sometimes that's kind of how I figured out which sports I liked and didn't like right um I would get super excited about it I was like oh this is what really goes into it it's not just a pretty ice dance on the court right um you know and then when you were talking about you know potential employees like being really excited um I mean this is kind of relevant you know is it because do people get excited because it's part survival where they really need the job or, you know, and part of that excitement is trying to just tread water and get the job so it can like finance something else they're trying to do or just live in general. And I'm asking that because in terms of trading and it's just like, if you were to do that, like to commit and if you're a beginner, what is reasonable like with how to start and how often, like how, how often do you practice and how often do you play AKA actually trade? Like how often would you observe, you know, that's, I kind of mixed in three questions right there. So, I mean, from what you're saying to me, practice in trading would be like paper trading, right? And you know, a lot of, a lot of trading, uh, software off, you know, lets you trade without actually putting in any, any money. And to me, that's practice. Um, I think, and I've told this to Christine before, that playing with real money brings in the whole thing about the, the the mental game of it. So then this is just my thought. I like, I do see some value in paper trading because I've done it and I felt like it's it's valuable. But I think, however, just if you traded just the minimum amount that you possibly could, if you've got some kind of platform or you know whether it's Forex or something like that that you can trade very, very small amounts for, and figure it out there and consider that practice before you do like a larger amount to really kind of jump in. Um, to me, I, I once you're actually playing the game of trading, it starts being a little bit different, I think. And I don't know if I ever say like, oh, you know, go back to the drawing board and just start to just start doing paper trading again, even though I could see some merit in that if you're trying out a new system or something like that. I don't know, Christine, do you have any different thoughts on that? I had a conversation with someone that has been trading way longer than I like at all. Like she said, she's been trading for like 12 years and she was like, you know, the last 
month has just been red for me. Like, I don't know where my, maybe like just my, I'm not as sharp. I used to be so good. Like, I don't know what it is. It's like a whole new market for me. I think I'm going to go back to paper trading, which was eye opening to me because and shocking. Cause I was like, what do you mean? Like, you're good. I think, you know, maybe take a step back. And like, as an artist, like a lot of times artists will like turn the canvas upside down. Like when you're just been staring at it for so long, like you need to like reset And then, um, so I was telling her, just reset. You know exactly what you're doing. It's just, you know, just take a break or whatever. But she was saying, like, she's going to paper trade from now on until she figures it out. But do the same thing, like the same strategy, but identify this new market or something like that. That's cool. Thank you. Love that. Love. I love loaded questions. <laughs> uh, you know, you said that's a three-part question, but... To me, that's the nature of like, you know, asking questions is a lot of times it isn't just like a simple yes or no type of question. So um, I appreciate that. So, Christine, should I go on and do some chapter? I mean, we can continue this conversation and, and I have no doubt we could continue and, and you know, almost like finish out the hour with that. Um, but obviously, chapter eight was maybe one of the shortest chapters that's been in this entire book. Should I go on with chapter nine or do you want to continue with this conversation over chapter eight? Okay, so let me look. This is, okay, it's a good amount. Um, do you guys want Voice of DeFi to read Chapter 9? Uh, if you guys don't have the physical book, the PDF is up there, and I'm reading along with the PDF right now. We just finished Chapter 8. Um, do a thumbs up if you guys want him to do Chapter 9 today, or should we just hold off for Monday for Chapter 9? So thumbs up for Chapter 9 um, and then, uh, if you guys want to wait till Monday, do a thumbs down. I see. I've seen three thumbs up. Uh, I see one thumbs down, two thumbs down. Oh, it's getting close here. It's getting hard to keep up here. I see three thumbs up and two thumbs down. Okay. We need the rest of you guys to vote thumbs up for him to continue chapter nine, uh, today and finish that off or should thumbs down for chapter nine on Monday psychedelic is serious about these thumbs up because uh they, they are they're going for it oh there's another one on i got home and uh and matthew is saying thumbs down i got jimmy saying that thumbs good up. looks what are you guys thinking dylan house of fashion Damn. okay here, here oh and i got and i got chops here, here's what i think we weren't prepared for is we were thinking we were going to get a runaway christine where like it'd be obvious what direction to go here and uh, this is like America, okay? This is like Republicans and Democrats. You, we just we have a split, a split country here. That uh, so so I don't know what what to do here. Uh, so we can still discuss some of these things if you want, and then save 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 this for Monday. Because all mean, right, so we're gonna save uh, chapter nine for Monday, guys. But we'll still discuss this chapter. If you guys want to yeah. come up and chime in, do request and then give us your feedback on chapter eight. It was really good. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, I just wanted to go over and I'm just going to read the titles of these fundamental truths and how they relate to skills, because I thought these were really good. Now, we discussed them, each one, and I actually did. So you read along, Christine, and you realize that sometimes, <laughs> I don't know if you laugh when I do this or not, do you realize that sometimes I add like an extra word that I feel like makes it sound better? <laughs> um, yeah, than like you make it fanciful. I do. It's like uh, it's like I write in cursive. So it's like I speak in cursive sometimes. Um, so in each of these points, I actually went back and read the title of what these points were each time because 
I don't know, whenever you're reading like an audiobook and it's like this five point list, but the five points go over six pages, it makes it to where you forget what even the list is by the time you get to it. So I went back and read the title of this part every time, which I hope helped a little bit. But let me read this. And I think this will kind of spurn some conversation. Uh, it says, how the fundamental truths relate to the skills. And these really, these fundamental truths are the best thing. So these five fundamental truths. One, anything can happen. Two, you don't need to know what is going to happen next in order to make money. Three, there's a random distribution between wins and losses for any given set of variables that define an edge. Four, an edge is nothing more than an indication of a higher probability of one thing happening over another. And five, every moment in the market is unique. These five things, as I think how, like I told you, I think about a lot of these things as I set up trades during the days now. These five things, I they have pierced me to the soul. <laughs> For one, to realize that I really did kind of have in my mind that if I saw a pattern and I could see, oh, we're hitting this resistance and it's going to go down and this has happened five other times, I really did have in my mind that uh, it was going to happen again. Like it's, it's the, I would be like thinking it's the exact same thing that happened last week or last hour or whatever. And after he lays it out so beautifully here, I'm realizing, no, that's not the case. It's different market participants. It's different market conditions. Everything about this is different. It may look the same on a chart, but it is absolutely not the same. And that is why Sometimes whenever I'm like, oh, of course it's going to reject right here to this uh, resistance right here, and then it doesn't, it's because the moment is unique. It's different traders, it's in, and these different traders may be you know, retail traders, institutional traders. You never know what can be moving the market, and it just takes one big whale, one big institutional trader to absolutely torpedo the whole market. And Christine, I know you trade SPY a lot, so if you saw not not or was it yesterday? What was the day? I think it was yesterday where there was a huge jump up. It was Tuesday, huge jump up with an immediate huge jump down afterwards, um, consecutive to each other. It was 30 minute bars right next to each other. And it just showed that just because something runs up doesn't mean it's going to keep on running up. And just because something goes down doesn't mean it's going to keep on going down. Every moment is unique. And that really stuck with me. No. Yeah. And it kind of did something similar today. And I was in, Ah, watching it i was like oh here's the flush like just trying to like there is me again like thinking that you know i know what you know what is gonna happen i was like morning flush and i'm like oh i guess it's not right now <laughs> and, um there was huge candles and right next to each other and it was crazy to see but it's gonna do what it's gonna do and the indicators help right until they don't it's just a tool to help you make a more educated guess but it doesn't mean that it's going to go that way at all and I'm the same way as you I'm like okay so you know this is consolidation here and then it's uh, this is resistance until it's not resistance and you know and this is supply here until it's not like it just it helps us until it doesn't so the market's going to do what it's going to do but I do appreciate indicators though yeah. Oh, I look, I'm, I know there's some people that can just, you know, what they call just naked trade and just look at a chart without any indicators. I, I love moving averages. I, I just, it really gives me a sense of where the market is heading. So I really love moving averages. 
And then uh, there's a few other indicators that I like too. I, r- right now, an indicator that I really like is the, uh, the, the parabolic SAR. I really enjoy that. Um, but, you know, numerous indicators are, are great. You're just looking for an edge, right? You're just looking for an edge. You're looking for that coin flip that will land on heads 51% of the time, right? And is consistently landing 51% of the time. If you can get it to land 60% of the time or 70% of the time, even better. But you're just looking for that edge somewhere along the way. And once you have defined that edge, once you've sufficiently found your system, you've back-tested it, you feel confident that it's that, that that is going to work, here is where I think it is tough. So you, you, you finally back-tested it. You said, I'm going to go forward testing with this now. I'm going to now use my new system. And you do it, and you lose right out of the gate. It is difficult to then still have the confidence in this new system. And that's why I think people that start trading for a long time with a certain system have a belief within their system. And they have a belief that it's going to be reproducible results because they've done maybe a thousand trades with it. And they know just because they have 10 trades in a row that are bad, if they keep on trading with the same parameters, and then, then eventually it may fall into their favor. And I think you see that happen time and time again. Uh, Mary Beth had just said a sports analogy. I think of it, uh, I don't know how many people I'm going to lose in here with this, but let's say Steph Curry, okay? He's a, he's a, he's a very big star. Y'all should have heard of Steph Curry. If you haven't, Steph Curry, <laughs> maybe the greatest three-point shooter um, ever. And whenever he is having an off game, he just keeps on shooting. He's not that worried about it because he's the freaking greatest three-point shooter of all time. Eventually, he's going to hit seven in a row, something like that. And, and, and it's going to all, in the end, he's going to end up shooting, you know, 42, 43%, something that's a pretty high mark for three-pointers. And eventually that's going to, okay, when he gets a cold streak, he doesn't go to his, his coach, Steve Kerr, and says, I don't think three-pointers are for me anymore. He just keeps on shooting because he feels like, in the end, this is going to fall for me because I have confidence in my shot. And I think that as a trader, it's very similar. You have confidence in your, you know, just because you get on a cold streak does not mean that all of a sudden you you don't know how to trade anymore. It just means that you're on a cold streak. Now, one thing I wanted to ask you about, Christine, because I felt like, uh, what's his name, Mark, uh, Mark Douglas contradicts himself in here, is he says basically each coin, it has, each coin flip has nothing to do with the previous coin flip. So he says that, and I agree with that. But then he did get into something of saying like, on this whole 8 and 12 thing we were talking about, 12 winners for 8 losers, he did say if that's the case and you're winning that amount and you've lost those 8 in a row, then you even have more of a chance of the next one being a win after that. And that's kind of contradictory to me. So I, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get what he's trying to say, but it still flies in the face of what he's saying that each trade is unique and has nothing to do with the previous trades. Yeah, absolutely. There was another thing I wanted to address with, um, you know, we have a small room in here, so we keep saying it. If you guys want to chime in with Voice of DeFi and I and Mary Beth, go ahead. But um, it's about blowing up your accounts. I guess, you know, like this is a touchy or a hot subject because many people have blown up their accounts over and over and they kind of want to know, you know, how do I stop blowing up my account and do I just stop trading? Does that mean that I just am a bad trader um, and I don't know what I'm doing? Should I just stick to paper trading? Whatever the conclusion you're coming up with, you're asking yourself that question. Um, 
PB the other day, he explains things so simply and amazingly because he's 16 years old and he's an amazing trader that I just love the way his mind works. It's just so simple, direct, and he doesn't try to, um, you know, just add, just make it more difficult to understand. But he said, and I want to just pass this tip to everybody is like, um, create what you're just like willing to lose like for the day so whether it's I don't know how big anyone's account is everyone's different but let's say it was a hundred dollars once you've reached that loss um that and you're comfortable with you know that's what you're losing for the day don't go over that you're done you walk away like you don't revenge trade or whatever you just do not go over it so come up with a number that is you know okay for your account size that you have with the loss that you're willing to take um days that you trade i think that's a really good one what do you think voice of DeFi? yeah i like that a lot and you know that's kind of like the ultimate stop loss of the the walk away loss is and this could go into anything to nfts or anything like that and you could just say hey once things are going against me this much then i just need to walk away and it gets a little bit into what you said earlier christine about um uh, you know, looking at the painting upside down sort of thing and just getting a different perspective. Because for me, I can walk away and I just, I think about things that I might not have thought about when I'm right in front of the screen. Even, even if my mind is still in a trading mode, I think about things a little bit differently. I'm able just to slow down and it makes it to where that time walking away, like you say, you're just, it's not like you're walking away from trading. And this flies, a, that flies a little bit in the face of what this book says, because this book would say, just have faith in your system and keep on trading. But you don't want to just zap your mind uh, so much uh, that uh, that you feel like you have to walk away forever. So I think people that do kind of feel you know like they're just down in the dumps, sometimes it's just good from a mental health perspective, maybe not from a probability perspective, but from a mental health perspective, to walk away for a bit, at least a day, right? And you know, let's say it's noon, it's lunchtime for you. And you, you, you walk away and then you come back the next day and you're fresh and you hopefully you can get in that mind space again to take the next trade because you don't want to get in a, a, a situation to where you've seen some bad trades happen and then you start trying to decide, well, I know the parameters look good here, but I'm not going to take the trade because that'll even mess with your mind even more. Right. And you don't want to revenge trade. And then I know Mary Beth, I want to get to Mary Beth right now, but before I forget my train of thought, also um, journaling your trades, whether it's just personally or getting on one of those um, programs like Trader Sync and stuff like that. I think that helps because then you're able to identify whether you have like, uh, you know, you have a loss for the day or you have gains for the day, like you ended up green or red, whatever it is. Um, you're going to be able to identify uh, if it is red. Okay. You're like, I was down today, but you're going to look at that like, what did I do wrong? Like you're able to assess that and then you'll look at it and you could see like, you know, I think we forget like how many good days we had in trading and how many bad. And then I do believe that when you're journaling your trade, you're able to start um, problem solving and then kind of looking at, hey, like maybe I don't trade so well in the mornings. Like maybe my mind is not as sharp. And then I know that there's traders that come in only on like Thursdays and Fridays. Like they're like, and when I ask them, they're like, I don't trade good in the beginning of the week. I'm like, that's so strange, but okay. But they just... That's just the way they do it. And they realize that they said because of journaling and they've noticed a pattern. And I don't know if you've heard of this voice of DeFi, but I just think you're able to assess the 
type of trader you are and how sharp your mind is at certain times, certain days, whatever it is, we need tools like that to help. So um, I think that can help us too. But yeah, Mary Beth. Uh, holy cow, because my question was, do you have any times that you find yourself a little bit more astute or stronger? Is it okay if you only come in like once a week or twice a week? And I was going to ask that because I had just watched a video yesterday from PB that was like, I journal. So thank you for just recapping all of that. <laughs> I wanted to answer the question before you asked it. No, yeah, like, um, so you saw that video and it was like, I was like, man, he's like nailing all these um, questions that everybody has like on the head and he explains them simply and directly. And I do feel from a lot of successful traders that I've heard from, they always say that journaling your trades is so good and you're able to assess what type of trader you are. And I'm starting to think that, because for a while, I would just be on there all day and I'm just trading away and just, you know, I'm like, yay, I'm making money, like, you know, but I'm starting to feel like I'm sharper towards the end of the day, like closer to um, power hour, closer to market close. And I think it's just me. I don't think it has anything to do with the market necessarily. It's just me. Like I ate already. I'm, you know, I've taken care of things in the morning. I'm not worried. Like I'm just sharper coming in towards the end of the market and I'm able to see things more clearly. I'm able to see the range um, that it's been trading at for the day. And I think that helps me as well. Uh, and I don't know. And just we're just able to identify like who we are as traders. And I think right. that's good for us. Yeah. I, I want exactly what you want there, but I want it objectively. And maybe somebody can DM me if this actually exists. I want to export all my trades from my trading platform. I want to input it into some site and I want it to objectively tell me like you suck at trading on Monday mornings or something like that. Or you for the last year are on fire, like you said, uh, you know, toward, towards close of day, that sort of thing. I, I want to objectively know those sort of numbers because they exist, right? I, I feel certain there's some patterns to it. Um, brain I think we're a pattern. Like, I think humans just like collectively look for patterns and then we create routine. And like, I guess we're a pattern ourselves. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and maybe I think it was it was Mary Beth that had said something like she or maybe as a friend of yours or something, you said they feel like they can't uh, trade on Mondays and Tuesdays. Maybe they've got a weekend hangover. I don't know. Maybe they're just not sharp on Mondays and Tuesdays. And I've heard other people say they don't like the volatility of Fridays. Uh, me, I really don't take any days off there, but I feel certain I've got some days that are worse than others. It's like uh, I've seen the same type of thing for like engagement. You've probably put uh, your Twitter or something into some little analyzer. If not, this is out there where you can see that like, oh, uh, whenever you, you know, publish a tweet at this time, it gets no engagement. Whenever you publish a tweet at this time, it gets, you know, 10 times the engagement because obviously your audience is uh, awake and, and interacting at that time. To me, I would like those same type of things um, to be seen, you know, for trading. I want to know when, when am I typically at my best and when am I typically not at my best? And then kind of, I, I don't know what I would do with that information. I don't know if that means I would stay sidelined, but I might. Um, I don't know. We're and that all gets into the mental, the mental part of the game too, where you can kind of hone in on your edge, which is what he says in this book. You've got to define your edge 
And then you have to have faith in your edge. And a part of your edge had to do with when you were trading, then absolutely, why not? I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be afraid of using, you know, trading at certain times just to be able to maximize my edge that I have. Right. And then Jimmy shared um, in the comments, I put it up on the Jumbotron, guys. He said, here's a good reference for position sizing from Gus. Um, if you guys want to click on that, I just clicked on it. And it says account size, for example, is if your account is $500, your max position in a trade should be $150, uh, the reward $100, and your risk at $30. And then, you know, $1,000, your max position $250, reward $150, your risk $50. And examples of how to manage your trades uh, at a thousand dollar account is to the right. If you guys want to take a look at that, this is really cool. Thank you so much, Jimmy. I'm actually going to save this. This is cool. Yeah. I was going to say that. I appreciate that, Jimmy. For one thing, I can see the risk to reward reward ratio is roughly three to one. You know, I can see for a thousand dollar account size, you risk 50, your reward is 150. And on a three to one, you know, we, we keep on saying this, Christina, we keep on saying like, Oh, you know, you win 12 and lose eight. But on, you know, some people, their their winning strategy has to where they're losing 60% of the time and winning 40% of the time. And that's because their risk-reward ratio is, you know, so much towards the win side. So they can they can take on more losses, but still in the end um, be ahead. So I do want to say that if you've heard us say over and over again, you know, you just need that 51% edge. Uh, some people get by with a 40% edge and they're wrong more than they're right, but they, they, they win whenever they win, they win bigger than whenever they lose. So just a, just a point that needs to be made for anybody that's brand new to this. Absolutely. And then, you know, when you're looking at this chart, this is a good example of what we're talking about of how to not blow up your account. So let's say you have a $500, oh no, let's go with a thousand dollar account, um, your max position trading should never be more than 250 at a time. And then um, your risk is $50. So that should be like if you're, you know, at a loss and you're red and it's already at $50 or more than that, you need to just shut it down, walk away. Don't wait. Don't be like it might turn around and then you're like, now you're negative $100. Now you're negative $150. Like it's just don't do it. And then um, sooner or later, you're going to be wiped out of your trade, which is $250. And then you're going to be bummed. And that's how you blow up your account, guys. Like we need to preserve our capital. That's like a huge thing that we need to keep in mind because, you know, a lot of people keep saying like, it's okay to keep blowing up your account. You know, it's only a couple hundred dollars every time you deposit it. But I just don't agree with that because after a while you've put in thousands of dollars and you're just not learning how to preserve your capital and keep your money and make money. And I do believe we pay market tuition. I do believe that, but I don't think we need to keep blowing up our accounts. No, not if you're not changing anything. Um, to me, and this is what I say about the mental game, if you are sweating every tick of the market, okay, every tick up and down, you're just looking at it and your hands like hanging over the close button at all times. If every tick of the market is making your heart race just a little bit, you are over leveraged. You're putting too much in. You're playing too close. You're flying too close to the sun. To me, if you are, you know, and, and the, what Jimmy put here for, you know, your risk reward ratio and what your max position, um, that, you know, this is, this is one way of doing it. But if you've got 
not if you're not close to liquidation at all times, then you can let the trade play out. You can let the trade breathe. And if it gets close to your stop, you I really think the way you are in the zone, as we talk about the title of this book, Trading in the Zone, the way that you were when you were trading in the zone, the price will get near your stop loss and you are not freaked out in the least bit. Because if it hits it, you don't care. You don't care whenever it hits it because you're just like, well, that's that's part of the system. I, I lose sometimes as part of this system. That is buying my tattoo supplies. That is buying my supplies that I need to run this business is, is that, that I lose sometimes. And that's okay. Um, and so to me, if you are looking of how you be mentally right, it's to just have trust in your system, assuming you have a good system, uh, in having trust in it and just letting it go. When it hits the stop, it hits the stop. You're going to trade again. And on the next one, you're going to have the, the the odds, you know, hopefully that edge is in your favor. And, uh, you know, you hope that that one will do well on the next one. That doesn't mean it will. Um, but if, if truly you do have an edge, if truly you have found a technical analysis edge, then in the end, it's going to work out for you in the end at some point, if it is indeed an edge. If not, well, it wasn't an edge in the beginning, and uh, you probably should find a, a different system. I agree. Couldn't agree more. And then I went ahead and posted something else at the top, guys. If you, I just always have this as a reminder. I got it from uh, this trader, pro trader. Uh, what's his name? No, it's not pro trader, Mike. It's Mike uh, Stockwitz. But he posts this every morning, and he like sends it to us. And I think it's so good. But it says make making money trading and I posted it up at the top and he said there's 252 trading days each year in this all obviously crypto and nfts there's uh, 365 but uh this is for the stock market but making $20 a day that's 5040 um every year making $100 a day on your trades that's $25,200 $500 a day $126,000 a year and so on and i think that's a good reminder because a lot of people shun like making 20 to $100 for the day in trading but it really adds up like $100 a day in trading that's $25,000 200 like why would you shun that ooh that's a really good chart i like that thank you yeah, and this is just on average too, because some people, especially you know, Christine, you really like options, and that uh, you know, twenty dollars a day, you <laughs> twenty dollars a day can absolutely be made, as to where you know, twenty dollars a day can absolutely be lost there. So it's an average. If you're averaging twenty dollars a day, then yeah, you make five thousand forty dollars uh, for the for the year, but that's an average. That means one day you might make a hundred, and another day you might lose you know eighty. And therefore, you're averaging $20 between those two days that I just said. So, yeah, the, I think the thing that I take from this is it would be an average for it. So if you, in the end, if you just average that $20 a day, then you can have this number. By the way, I just did the math real quick. $20 a day times $365 for my crypto brother and out there, that's $7,300. So Ooh, there um, you go, right? The market never closes there. So you have a lot more potential. And then how crypto goes too. It's so volatile as well. And uh, it's totally doable. Yeah, the only problem. Okay, so I'm the voice of DeFi. I obviously like, <laughs> you know, decentralized finance. I obviously like that sort of thing. I will say this, if you're trading seven days a week, seven days a week, 365 days a year, there is a mental toll to that. There is, there, there is. You are paying with something other than cash with that. So sometimes I hate to. I don't want to. I don't want to be cringy and say touch grass like everyone else does. But 
sometimes you need sometimes you need to just walk. I don't know how to say it better say it than to touch grass. You you need to just walk away at some point. Seven days a week of trading can be can be rough on the soul. <laughs> Let me just say that. Yeah, and what good is like the money that you do make if you're just like gonna be unhealthy and just like crouched over a computer seven days a week? You could trade 24 hours a day with crypto. Like, it's just yeah. not good for you. So, like, live your life, you guys. We only live one life here. Nobody gets out alive. So, please, like, enjoy your life. Um, and you make those gains, like, please use them to uh, pay yourself, reward yourself, go on vacation and stuff like that, and then come back. I do believe that um, taking a break, whether you go on vacation or you just take a break from the screen and touch grass, like you're saying, um, it just resets you and you come back sharper and you're more enthusiastic versus like a, like monotone and very like drab. Like we should be happy and excited that we know and have knowledge um, in trading. There's a bunch of people, guys, out there that have no knowledge in how to trade and they're dying to know and, you know. Uh, the more we learn, uh, we're able to share that wisdom with others as well. And then they won't get scammed on these YouTube videos. Well, I do want to say, if you've heard me on any other videos, which I know that you you know, Christine, that I feel this way, for anybody else that doesn't know how I feel, even though I say all that about, you know, go out and touch grass and you need you can't do it seven days a week, I still think uh, stocks should be tokenized and they should be available to be. I, I don't want there to be market hours. I want to be able to trade. Uh, you know, I want to be able to buy Tesla at three in the morning. And I know uh, we do. <laughs> so uh, even though I say that, I'm I'm secretly hoping that someday, uh, you know, market, there is no middleman. I don't need uh, H, you know, I don't need TD Ameritrade to be able to make trades happen. All of it should be decentralized. Do you think that's possible? Yes, absolutely. Why couldn't it be? Right now, and this is a whole different conversation, but right now, you know, I use Webull or, you know, whatever centralized thing I use to be able to, you know, buy and sell stocks. And there'd be no reason why it couldn't be loaded into a tokenized contract where you could buy it just the same. Everything could be, you know, right there on chain where you could see it. So I see no reason why it couldn't happen. I do see a few reasons why it might not happen, even though I've seen a reason why it couldn't. And that's maybe a lobby, something like that. If uh, if there were rules to change that, you can bet, uh, you know, E-Trade and TD Ameritrade and some other groups would be up in Washington doing everything they could to make sure that this doesn't happen because they want to be able to take, you know, trading fees or any other type of ways that they bring in income that probably would be gone if it was completely decentralized. So, yes, I think it can happen. I don't know if I'm saying no, it'll never happen, but I'm probably saying no, it'll never happen because ugh, there's just a lot to lose there for some some in, some powerful entities. Yeah, well, I'm thankful either way. If that does happen, that would be cool. I see the pros and cons in it, and then if we stay this way, where it's just Monday to Friday, and you know, it's for West Coast time, it's six thirty a.m. to one p.m. Pacific Standard. But I'm thankful either way that we are just even allowed to trade. I think that there's like some countries that you are not allowed to. So there may be, I actually have one trading platform that I do use. It's, it's, it's offshore, um, uh, that, uh, is crypto and it is only Monday through Friday. They actually do close on the weekend. And yeah, sometimes you can get gapped if you have trades open on Friday until Monday, but I kind of like that if I were to pick a way to do it, that you still have some time off is, you know, it'll allow you to trade crypto, you know, basically Sunday night. 
And uh, on Friday evening, Friday late Friday afternoon, it closes the market and you can't trade. So it is 24 hour, but it is not on the weekends. And maybe that's kind of a happy medium of what way things could be. I don't healthy know. Healthy medium. What'd you say? Like a more healthy medium. Yeah, like a more healthy medium. Exactly, exactly. All right. So today, everybody on the chapter eight, it was called Working with your beliefs. And it was kind of a summary of everything that we've learned so far. And it was how to work within the things that you have uh, in your head already of the way things could be with trading. Chapter nine, which we'll read on Monday, is the nature of beliefs. Matter of fact, I just want to read this first paragraph of chapter nine. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but just the first paragraph. It says, at this point, if you can sense the benefits of adopting the five fundamental truths about trading, which we just talked about, then the task is to learn how to properly integrate these truths into your mental system as core beliefs that they're not in conflict with any other beliefs that you may hold. And I think it's going to get into that about what other beliefs you may hold that may be in complete contradiction with uh, what we had learned during chapter eight that you need to have. So I think that will be good because we know a lot of this mental stuff by now after we've read eight chapters of it, but there's still... And you know this because we already know it and we're still trading. You're still, we're still fighting within ourselves to like actually implement this. And I really think that chapter nine will help with that of understanding what's the roadblocks, what's keeping us from really applying this. But we'll do that on Monday. It will be at 6.30 Pacific, 9.30 Eastern, 8.30 Central. If I've left out your time zone, I'm sorry. You can convert from one of those. But uh, yeah, we will we will do chapter nine on Monday. Put that in your calendar, guys, um, because Voice of DeFi does tweet it out, and you could just set a reminder. But Twitter's so glitchy now that I firmly believe that we should just be putting it in our you know Google calendars or your phone calendars, and just put Monday and Wednesday same time, um, and that's when our book club is. Yeah, that that's a great suggestion, Christine. Because yeah, Twitter's been kind of crazy. I've had other times where I'll start the space and something will glitch out. So I have to start a different space. And then all of you that hit the reminder, you can't get in. So this is the time we do it. Guaranteed, we'll be doing it. And if we don't, then I will put out a tweet that says, hey, we're not going to be available. And I think that's only happened one time. And that's actually happened in between our two books that we did. So that worked out pretty well. Next Monday will be chapter nine, but there is only 11 chapters in this book. So we are getting... I mean, gosh, I guess we just have three more book club nights of this book, and then we'll move on to the next book. I would like next week, Christine, for us to choose our next book, because we need to give people a chance to order it and things like that. So any of you who are in here, I'm assuming you have read books before, and if you haven't, you've seen the cover of books or had a book that you've always wanted to read, let Christine or I know. Tell us what book that you really want covered. Because uh, we need another book. We need the next book. Um, as an aside, Christine, what'd you think of that Twitter book I uh, tagged you in the other day? Looks interesting. I think that's so cool. It's probably going to be so good. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about that. So in case you guys don't know about it, our first book that we did in December and finished in January was called uh, uh, Bitcoin Billionaires by Ben Mesridge. And it's kind of autobiographical, not autobiographical, but biographical about the Winklevoss twins after they sued Mark Zuckerberg and what they did afterwards, which they became Bitcoin billionaires. Well, now Ben Mesrich, the same author, is going to write a book about Elon's takeover of Twitter. And uh, he's got a good writing style. I, I think it will be very good. So um, I actually had his permission and his blessing to read that first book. And I'd probably ask for his permission and blessing to do 
um, this Twitter book as well. So we'll see if we do that one in the future. No, no, no guarantees, but uh, I really like, I, I will read that book at least personally, if nothing else, because I think he's a very interesting author and he's got one uh, called a movie coming out called Dumb Money coming out soon. And it will be over the GameStop uh, stuff that happened. And that's, ha that's coming out this year in 2023. So if you enjoyed watching that whole game or, you know, following along with the whole GameStop story of a couple of years ago, um, it's a movie that's coming out called Dumb Money. So look for that. And uh, maybe we'll read that book at some point in here. The book was called The Anti-Social Network, which that's kind of funny as well. So, all right, Christine, any other little items of business to cover before we get out of here and I'll play some smart music? Yes. Uh, don't forget, you guys, if you have book suggestions for the next book, go ahead and DM Voice of DeFi or myself, and then we'll filter through those and see which one we're going to read. And speaking of dumb money, let's go and make dumb money tomorrow, guys. Good luck with your trading. And we hope that you guys could bring some amazing stories about how amazing you guys did because of the book applying to your trading strategies. Uh, and let us know next week on Monday. Put it in your calendar. Excellent. Excellent. And also, Christine, I have a beef with you real quick. I have to say an air out dirty laundry here is I'm having numerous people. And I really mean this, like two or three people have contacted me this week. And it, this came because I was on another show that somebody said, uh, I like country music because I dress like a cowboy. And I have no one to pin that on that people think that I dress like a cowboy, except for you. So um, I yeah, have that. Yes, people for some reason. Now, I am from Texas, uh, but I do not even own cowboy boots. But uh, Christine has this little bit that she'll do where if they ever meet me, she'll say like, oh, look for him. He's wearing a cowboy hat or something like that. And I don't even own a cowboy. Have you ever seen Yellowstone? And everyone says yes. And then I'm like, yeah, he looks like he's in that. Show. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I had a couple of people this week say that, uh, oh, I figured you'd like country music um, because of the way you dress. And I'm like. Damn it, Christine. <laughs> you've, you've gotten through to people. These, <laughs> these are people that you don't even know. So our, uh, our, our outro music will be not country music, but this right here. So everybody enjoy. We will see you on Monday. I'll make the space uh, link for it here in just a little bit. And uh, so make sure you hit that reminder for it. But until then, enjoy this country music. Golden Elbow Club, a, a group so they'll go right. Reading, trading in the zone with all of their might. A journey through the world of stock and trade with, with every chapter. Their knowledge is of rate, rate, rate. Golden Elbow Club, a group so, 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 so. Golden Elbow Club, a group so, so, so. Golden Elbow Club, a, a group so, they'll go right. Reading, trading in the zone with all of their might. A journey through the world of stock and trade with, with every chapter. Their knowledge is of rate, rate, rate. rate. Golden Elbow Club, a group so, so, so. What? We just become best friends? Yep. Golden Elbow Club, a, a group so, 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 right.